you can't fluke goal scoring in the Premier League over a long spell of time. You can either score goals or you can't. Welcome back to That Football Stats Podcast. In this one, I'm going to sort of just ramble and piece things together and hope things can be pieced together in the post-production process. And on that note, I am actually looking for somebody to edit some videos for me if that is something you do. If you want to send me like what you've done in the past or, you know, some videos that you've made, because I've got quite a lot of things I want to add to Odd Alerts over the sort of next three months, including the, the, the version one of the app as well. But I also love recording the videos and doing the podcast and stuff. But if I'm able to just record and then send it to somebody and they just edit it and, and make it ready for TikTok, YouTube, all of that good stuff. And I also have plans as well to, to try and find some people that have got season tickets that wouldn't mind just recording some conversations with fans as well, them being the the interviewer. I think that'd be pretty interesting to sort of bring that in to Odd Alerts every every weekend. You know, you, you then create discussions on the website or around the socials on different clubs. And I wouldn't just want it to be the top clubs either. I would, I, you know, if you're in League Two, if you're National League, do it, you know, and we can just ask some interesting questions to fans. Um, I'll, I'll send you a microphone. I'll sort you out with anything that you might need. I guess the only prerequisite would be that you need an iPhone and you need somebody to be the cameraman. I can't provide the cameraman, unfortunately. Um, but I will provide a mic. You know, if you if you commit to do it, I'll, I'll buy a sort of wireless, like, interview microphone that you see on the, the fan channels and stuff. It's something I've been wanting to do for a while, but obviously it's a bit of a difficult thing to organise. But um, I guess if I get the, just get the ball rolling somehow, even if it's just one person doing it at first, and then we just say, does anybody else want to do it? This is the sort of content... Um, because, you know, there'll be things that we do right, things that we do wrong at first, the mistakes made or formats that just don't work. That's what's, you know, happened with the, the podcast. I'm just trying different things, seeing what works. And um, even in this episode, you know, there's more of a behind-the-scenes look at the, the company itself. I mentioned the app, and, um, yeah, it's been planned for a while, of course, and I think the first version of it will improve on what Telegram offers. Um, I love Telegram. And, you know, Odd Alerts wouldn't have started without Telegram and Telegram will always be supported. But I think a transition should happen um, over to an Odd Alerts app because I'm then in control of, of the alerts and how they look and how they feel, how they come. And I can really build them around the data or Odd Alerts. You know, if, if you subscribe to a team, let's say you favourite Manchester United, right? If we just added the highlights or we've just computed some new stats and there's these trends now available, do you not want to see it? And and, and I don't mean an alert to Telegram that says click this link and then you go into the an actual visual. Maybe it's a chart, maybe it's a graph, maybe it's a this this video or, or a podcast episode. If we control that whole process of, of uh, the distribution, then there's a lot more you can do. Just somebody asked the other day, can we have a separate channel for our foul alerts? Well, you can, but it's it's gonna it's gonna ruin the the user experience overall because if you have to then you know set up different Telegram bots just for odd alerts, it's it just starts to get a bit messy. Somebody wants one for foul alerts, and then somebody else wants one for for pinnacle dropping odds because those alerts there's a lot of alerts, right? But if those alerts are contained in the odd alerts app, they can just be feeds or or tagged or you know you could just move in and out of them pretty quickly. So it's going to be exciting, and I think the best place to start is just that transition so you know the same alerts that you already set in but on a different app and an app that then will gradually add sections as we go but what got me onto that point was the the video editor um you know if you if you are interested or you know somebody that that does this just get in touch on discord twitter wherever uh, you can email to joe at odd as well because if somebody can handle that i will have more time 
to work on the app and other things. We have to talk, we have to start with Manchester United and uh, you can see if you're watching the video version on YouTube, Ten Hag there in his press conference and he doesn't really look happy, does he? His uh, side so inconsistent, 3-0 defeat at home to Bournemouth, simply not good enough. But I do feel that he should take some of the blame. I'm looking at the team, looking at the space in midfield, so much space. It doesn't matter who they play against. There is just so much space. McTominay's drifting. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, of course, is drifting. And Amrabat, who looks unfit, and he's not the only one, is trying to shuffle side to side, get the get the ball off uh, the fullbacks, get the ball off the defenders. And as the game goes on, he gets progressively worse. Now, it's not his fault. I just don't think he's ready. And another player that seriously isn't ready for first-team action is Luke Shaw. He looked unfit last night. And it begs the question, how is Luke Shaw coming back from a long-term injury straight into the team at centre-back when a World Cup winner sits on the bench? Varane's exclusion, when you concede goals like Manchester United did, becomes stranger and stranger by the game. I said on a previous podcast episode that if Varane doesn't feature in December in this block of games, he will be gone on the 1st of January. He will be talking to his agent now. He will be wanting to get out of Manchester as quickly as possible. And yesterday, even when Luke Shaw came off, he was at fault for the second goal as well, gave the ball away so cheaply, no pressure on him. He just tries a lofted ball into midfield, straight to a Bournemouth player, and they break on Man United and score. So Luke Shaw comes off and Varane does not come on. Johnny Evans is preferred over Varane. If there has been a falling out, if there has been a rift, I think it's better to just not even have him in the team. So it's clear this situation is kind of messy. It's clouded. There's been real strong rumours around a rift, a, a breakup in, in relationship between Varane and Ten Hag. But then he still puts him on the bench. Is he frozen out or not? What's the official party line, you know? And I think just being straightforward, as Ten Hag has been with most of these issues since he took over at Manchester United, I just think it clears the air and makes things easier for the team. They don't need any more distractions, Manchester United. And all smiles for Iriola, a great away performance, almost perfect, to be honest. Could have been four, probably should have been four. And I thought they showed great control in terms of when to break on Man United, when to actually take that opportunity, because it was there quite a lot. And also when to just slow the game down and show that they're in control of the game. And in doing that, they really stopped Man United building up too much pressure. And the defending was actually brilliant. They made so many blocks. They were comfortable retreating to a certain point because they knew Man United couldn't really carve out a clear-cut chance. But they're always a second away from conceding Manchester United, and that is the crux. There is so much space in that midfield. You look at that Chelsea game. People say, how can they be this inconsistent going from beating Chelsea to, to, to losing like this at home to Bournemouth? But watch the game. It wasn't inconsistency. Chelsea broke on them just as many times as Bournemouth did. The difference is Bournemouth put the ball in the back of the net. Mudrick and Jackson missing massive, massive chances. They could have had three goals, Chelsea, let's be honest. And it's sort of okay if you want to concede that many goals, Manchester United, or you want to concede that many chances, but you must put the ball in the back of the net. It is another home game for Manchester United where they've failed to score. They've scored just 10 goals at home this season, 1.11 per game. Just as a comparison... Bournemouth have scored 1.63 away from home this season. Now, the last word on Ten Hag is, should he go? I don't believe he should. If you look at the squad, it's not that great. And I think he has to be blamed for certain things, certain players that have signed, certain systems that are being played or lack of. 
but he can do it. He showed it at Ajax. And I think if you get him the right collection of players, they've been very unlucky with injuries, especially in defence this season. They've never been able to field that first 11 for maybe five games in a row. Casemiro's been out, be it suspension or injury. Luke Shaw's been out. Martinez is out. Varane is out. Sancho is God knows where. And players are seriously out of form. So we will see what happens. I do not think Eric Ten Hag will be sacked, but you never know. Let's take a look at some of the other games from the Premier League, starting with Wolves Forest. A good point there for Steve Cooper, who was under serious pressure after that 5-0 drumming. And uh, going to Wolves this season is not the easiest of tasks. They've done very well at home and they've played some very good teams as well. So that's a good point away from home and it might just give Steve Cooper a bit more time. I personally think he's going to be fine. I said it on the last podcast as well. I think their home form is too good, or certainly it has been um, across the sort of last 12 months. If you remember last season, they also started very poorly, but then started to pick up a little bit. So maybe they'll do the same. Brighton hosted Burnley and it happened again. BTTS, 16 games out of 16. And uh, Brighton will be disappointed with this because if you look at the pressure monitor on oddalerts.com, they were in control of this game. They had 29 shots to the six of Burnley. Burnley had a single corner in the game. The pressure monitor, the average pressure throughout the game was 69%. And they have not taken their chances in this game. But for Burnley, it is a huge point in their bid to stay in the Premier League. And uh, are they changing things? They've conceded one goal in the last three games. Is Vincent Kompany adapting? They've not scored anywhere near enough goals before that Sheffield United victory. They put five past Sheffield United. That was the the hammer blow, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, for Heckenbottom. And that brings us to the next game, which was Sheffield United-Brentford. A massive win for Chris Wilder. A clean sheet, the first of the season for Sheffield United. And by all accounts, this was quite an even game. Brentford having a bit more of the ball, but you might expect Sheffield United to be quite comfortable with that. It's a tricky one for Brentford, because if we look at their form now, they've lost four of the last five games. The only victory coming at home to Luton. I think with Brentford, they're very good at playing that quick break especially against the bigger teams. They they set up very well for it. But when you go into a place like Sheffield United and they expect you to have the ball or they're comfortable with you having the ball, I don't know if Brentford have got the solution for that at the moment. I think maybe they miss Ivan Toney. I mean, it's evident, of course, they miss Ivan Toney. Any team would miss a player of his quality. But I also don't think that's it, especially away from home. I just think in these types of games where they're expected to control games and have a lot of the ball, they're not set up for it or certainly not set up for it as well as they could be. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in January if they do get a £60, £70 million bid for Ivan Tony, for example. Do they accept it and, and try and invest that money in January? Might get you one or two very good players. Could, you get, could get you three or four OK players that Brentford can try and develop. I think it'll probably be the latter, knowing Thomas Frank and uh, the setup at that club. And Aston Villa, Arsenal, Unai Emery getting one over his old club and uh, Aston Villa again they they deserved this you know it's um the, the goal that they scored was fantastic a little bit of a contentious decision at the end with the handball but to be honest I can see that one going either way the first half was certainly better than the second half and I think uh, Aston Villa if you give them that early goal they're very good at sitting back and defending and then hitting you on the break and still creating chances because they can get it forward really really quickly quite direct but in a very stylish way look at the goal what a goal And Emery is improving all the players, but John McGinn, his positional sense under Emery, where to run, when to make those uh, runs into the area, he is getting much, much better at that. And of course, John McGinn, technically a very, very good player. 
Let's take a look at Sunday's games and we'll also have a chat about the title race because I think this is probably the most exciting Premier League title race that we've seen in a few years. I mean, City are stumbling, Liverpool are back, Arsenal look to be much improved in terms of the types of performances they're able to get. But then come along someone like Aston Villa and uh, potentially throw a spanner in the works. I say that because in the past week they've beaten Man City and then they've beaten Arsenal. Even if they don't win the league, they're causing issues and they're making it more competitive for those other teams. Now for a quick look at Sunday's fixtures, we'll start with Everton-Chelsea. Uh, two sides to this coin for sure, because it's more misery for Chelsea and Pochettino. Two defeats in a row now, just one victory since the start of November. But on the other side of that coin, for Sean Dyche now, four wins in the last five games, three clean sheets in a row it is working. He has got the players, they have turned it around and uh, I think the points deduction, it's weird to say it's helped them. I think they were in, in great form anyway. This turnaround was always coming, but the atmosphere at Goodison now, given that it is the last season there as well, is going to be great every week. And uh, certainly when teams like Chelsea, teams like Newcastle come there, 3-0 against Newcastle, 2-0 now against Chelsea. And they seem to score at key times. I mean, the Newcastle game was it was 0-0 at 78 minutes, I think, and, and it ended 3-0. This Chelsea game, the first half, there wasn't many chances. Everton score early in the second half. And from there, I think that's the perfect position for Sean Dyche because he can bring players on that are pretty good on the break. They are a very good counter-attacking team, but obviously they've got that physicality. They've got the dangerous approaches and plays from set pieces as well. And fair play to, to Daesh because, you know, a 10-point deduction might have been a, a massive blow to the confidence of some teams, but they were they were turning it around, as I say. They were on a nice upward trend in terms of form and certainly of XG if you want to check out that page on the website as well. But for Chelsea, they have won just 31% of games now this season. It's interesting because when I look at their goal-scoring stats, they've scored 1.63 goals per game home and away so it's not a case of failing to score they did fail to score of course against Everton but in the games previous they scored in the last five games BTTS landing in every one of those games and they're just not clinical they're just not dangerous enough they're always going to carve chances because they have so much of the ball especially at the start of the season they were topping the charts for possession for total passes but they need to, and this sounds crazy to say, given how much money that they've spent on these players, but they need to upgrade some of the players at the top end of the pitch, I think. I mean, you can give Jackson as many chances as you want. You can give Brozier as many starts, as many you know chances as you want. You can bring him on as many times. They're not ready yet. They're not there yet. You need somebody that can get you 25, 30 goals now, tomorrow, next week right? Jackson misses too many chances. Mudrick misses too many chances. Sterling misses too many chances. They all rush chances. They are not composed. They need some calmness in there. I just think that midfield does something not quite right for, for Chelsea. They can keep the ball all day long, as we've seen, but they're not cutting teams open. They really struggle to break down a, a low block, and then they're also susceptible on the counter-attack. Reese James as well going off again in this game and uh, how will we look back on his career because he's certainly got the talent even a, a month or so ago he, he played really well and we all thought he was back but here he is again on the injury table and there's a, a risk that he doesn't even make the England team for the Euros if he if he's not reliable we need reliable players and if Livermento stays fit all season 
Trippier, Livermento, Carl Walker. Is there space for Reese James in that England team? Just finally on Chelsea, the same would, would be said about Chilwell as well. He needs to come back and start playing. I think they need him. Kukurela has been in no sort of form this season. Absolutely dreadful against Manchester United. Not all his fault. He's been played as a right back, but he was just out of position all the time. So from Chelsea to Fulham, not the longest cab ride, but probably still quite expensive given that it is the capital. It was a 5-0 victory for Fulham, which might be surprising, but they did it in the week as well. They beat Forest 5-0 and then they followed it up with a drumming of West Ham. It was 3-0 at half time. At the start of the season, the problem for Fulham certainly was that they couldn't score enough goals. Now, they've scored 17 in the last five games. They put three past Liverpool, remember? And it's interesting with some of these teams because just when you're about to say, oh, they might, I think they might struggle this year, they might go down or they might get dragged into something. I think a few weeks back, people might have been saying that about Fulham. And now, here we are. They've won two games in a row, 5 0. Um, and they're playing well. They're scoring plenty of goals. You, you can't fluke goal scoring in the Premier League over a long spell of time. You can either score goals or you can't. And at this moment in time, the system that Silver is playing there, he has found something that is working because for so long, they tried to play the same way as they did with Mitrovic, and you don't have him anymore. So there's no point trying to play with an identical style. So the adaptation was coming, and maybe it is here. I spoke about BTTS on the last podcast as well. It just seems to be everywhere in the Premier League this season, certainly higher than previous seasons that I can remember at this stage. You've got Brighton 16 out of 16, for example. But also coming into this game, West Ham had seen BTTS landing in the last five games. And in fact, before this game, it was 87% overall for West Ham. Right now in the Premier League, there are five teams with a 75% or higher occurrence for BTTS. Brighton, Wolves, West Ham, Luton and Spurs. So West Ham will be desperate to bounce back from that one. They were in good form, um, unbeaten in four games. And then, yeah, really strange result. But we might just have to look at that as uh, Fulmer in fantastic form right now. Luton welcomed the champions and um, they haven't kept a clean sheet this season and I don't think they were expecting to keep one in this game. It was unlucky really for Luton because they, they went into the, the break 1-0 up. They scored so late, didn't they? What a time to score. City came out and they weren't too good and I think they just conceded at, at a very, very key time and, and I think they just switched off. Or, you know, the quality show, but really the goal... There's a player stretch in there. You know, they've been stretched all over the place by that City team. The, the way they were passing the ball around City. Um, it was coming, but it will be disappointing for Rob Edwards, I think, just how quickly the goals came. Um, because as soon as City go into a lead, it's going to be very hard for Luton to come back into that game, if, unless it's you know throwing set-piece or something. Um, they took their chance, Luton, when they had it to score. And you could say City just did the same as well. But I just think they'll be disappointed how quickly the goals came after each other. And finally, from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a demolition. Really, I would say. Um, so many chances for Tottenham in this game. They won 4-1. I think it could have been a lot more. They had 23 shots to Newcastle's nine. Newcastle, I thought, actually started the game quite well. But maybe it's a fitness thing. Maybe it's, you know, tired legs. I think, what is it, the same starting 11 in five or six games. It will take its toll. And uh, BCTS, again, it's a bit of a theme, isn't it? Now for Tottenham, it is the last seven games for Spurs now in the Premier League where both teams have found the back of the net. Just two victories in those games. So they'll be happy to be back to winning ways against Newcastle. It was five games 
without a victory. Three home defeats in a row for Ange Postacoglu, but last night it really did look like they were back. I think having Saar and Basuma together is critical. If you're not going to have Bentoncourt, you've got to make sure those two are playing, Saar and uh, Basuma, because it, you know they haven't been, there's been injuries, there's been suspensions to, to both of them in recent weeks. And uh, I just think it makes such a difference when they both play. And uh, a word on Brennan Johnson as well. That was probably his best game in a Spurs shirt. He was absolutely electric. Um, Sonny as well, doing what he what he does. And it is a continuation for Newcastle and Eddie Howe of the poor away form that they have shown. Just one victory now, and that was the 8-0 drumming of Sheffield United. And when we think about Newcastle under Eddie Howe, you think about the great defence, but it is a home thing. They are so good at home. And away from home, one clean sheet, and that was also the Sheffield United game. They have conceded two or more goals in each of the last five away games played. So we're going to end by looking at the Premier League table. Um, Don't worry if you're just listening to the podcast, I'll describe it to you. Um, Liverpool top, top of the pile, 37 points, only one defeat all season. Arsenal with that defeat to Aston Villa means they are second. Villa are third on 35 points, no defeats in the last five games. And only City and Liverpool have scored more than Aston Villa. How far can they go? This is like a, an 800 metre race, isn't it? You know, this is like essentially the first minute or so of it where you've got the people you might expect to be leading the pack, um, but you've also got some runners that are surprising you, like Aston Villa. Will they be there near the finish line? You've got some runners like Spurs in fifth now, just three points off the top four, who took a knock. Maybe they fell over at the first hurdle. But uh, they are regaining their pace and they are catching up the rest of the pack. This is usually the time of year where City get into a stride, but just one victory in the last five games. I think it's coming and I think it'll coincide with John Stones being back in the team. I do think there's issues in the defence. I, I just think Pep is rotating too much. Is it Guardiola? Is it Ake? Make your mind up, stick with it so you can get into some kind of rhythm. I'll personally go with Ake. I know he might not offer as much going forward, but defensively, absolutely solid as a rock. And at the bottom of the table, a gap is being created. Everton with the 10-point deduction, they would be on 23 points, so they would be in 10th place. Fulham would go down to 11th. And what teams out of this bottom pile do you think can get dragged into it? Bournemouth have found form, no defeats in five. Crystal Palace, no victories in five. And a a harsh loss in Roy Hodgson's eyes, certainly, to Liverpool. How many games are Liverpool and Arsenal going to win at the death this season? And how important will it be come the end of the season? Nottingham Forest, they will be glad that the three teams below them are, so far, you would say, maybe the worst promoted teams in a few years, in a good few years, I think. Luton, there's a lot of heart there. Burnley don't have the quality up front. I don't think they're going to score enough goals. And Sheffield United, defensively so far, I know they've got a clean sheet. Can can Wilder turn it around? Yet to be seen. But based on what we've seen this, this season so far, that's all we can go off. They are going to concede far too many goals. 41 goals conceded. Burnley have conceded 34. So, yeah, one too many heavy beatings was the reason for Heckenbottom getting the sack. And can Wilder keep them up? That's going to be it. I will leave you with some trends. If you're watching the uh, video version on YouTube, uh, you'll see I'm just scrolling through some of the trends pages for the week upcoming. So Monday to Friday, you can click into any of these games. Uh, We've got first half goals, unders, over eight corners, under 10 corners. We've got a game in play here. 
if you've got any feedback on the podcast or on the videos or anything like that or, or the website, you want to add some features and have some requests, drop them in the Discord or you can at me on Twitter, just at Odd Alerts on Twitter and I will see you in the next one.